This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Raider Nation, close your eyes. The Raiders are blowing this thing up. The silver and black in full rebuild mode. It's just a mess right now. We have a lot to talk about. Khalil Mack is gone. Amari Cooper is gone. Are there more trades to come? Hmm. Marshawn Lynch now on IR. Reports about Carr having a fractured relationship with his teammates. He responds today. That and much more. Just a lot going on in Alameda. Uh, I, for one, wanted to talk about hoops today, but the Raiders had other plans for this episode of Keeping It 300, Episode 5. I'm Fallon Smith. James Jones is in L.A. And, oh, James, what a difference a week makes. You know what, man? I don't even like that intro right there because, man, (laughs) I don't even like the sounds and the thoughts of the Raiders blowing it up, man. But every (laughs) week... They give us that feeling of that's what they're trying to do, and I'm still in denial, and I don't think that's what they're trying to do, but that's just me as a Raider. What they're trying to do, it's what they're doing, James. I know, but but I say trying, Fallon, just because <laughs> the thought of thinking that they're not done and the thought of thinking that they might be a possible chance that they let go of their franchise quarterback after they already let go of their franchise defensive player and after they let go of a big-time weapon on the offense. I don't even want to think about it like I get goosebumps right now (laughs) as I'm talking to you like they better not do that. Okay, well, we'll get to maybe the possibility of a Derek Carr trade later on in this podcast. Uh, Last week, though, I sort of tried to defend John Gruden saying, I find it hard to believe he wants to lose, he's a competitor, yada, yada, yada. But uh, no, he's definitely tanking this season. I take it all back. I mean, maybe it wasn't his intention heading into the season. He may have misread his situation. But after the Mac trade and the way, you know, they've been playing, he probably woke up one day and said, yeah, you know, this ain't working. These guys don't fit what I'm trying to do here. Let's blow this thing up. Now, in my opinion, all of this... All of this could have been prevented if he just didn't trade Khalil Mack because (laughs) I am a firm believer, firm believer that they would have a winning record right now and we wouldn't even be talking about this, right? And I think think you're correct, but my thing is, is number one, I don't know who's all in on this decision-making, but if it's Gruden and Gruden alone and Gruden's secret people, somebody please step up and stop him (laughs) from doing this. Somebody, you know know when you have that one friend 
that's always going to shoot it to you straight, no matter what. Like, Fallon, no, you are not going there. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. We all have that one friend that we can call or that see stuff going on. Like, oh, yeah, I got to go talk to him or talk to her and tell her, no, this is not how it's supposed to happen. You are doing wrong things. Who is that in this Raider organization that somebody needs to stop him? Why are they letting him trade away all these guys that are good players? I don't understand. Now, for the Coop situation, I don't understand it. I don't like it. But I kind of agree with it just a little bit if that makes any sense because you get a first round for him yeah. as well and the last couple of years he hasn't been playing up to his standards so I understand that one we all know Khalil I have no clue and if it is a possibility that Derek gets out there we're not going to have any clue about that neither because this is why I say that John Gruden has never developed a young quarterback so you let a franchise quarterback go like Derek Carr and there is no veterans out there that are good that somebody's just going to let walk you're not your reputation says I'll draft a guy and develop a guy but that's not what your reputation says you're not a draft and develop guy so if you let him go, that lets me know that you guys are really just tanking the season. And I hate using the word tank because I know <laughs> as a former player, we do not tank seasons. Okay, I said this last week. I said, I don't think that they're going to let Derek Carr walk or trade Derek Carr because, as I said last week, he told the media when he came here, if Derek Carr fails – it's because of me. And I don't yeah. think he wants to admit those failures. So I think even though there are reports out, it's probably 50-50. And obviously you can't really believe anything that's coming out of Gruden's mouth right now. And he's saying he's not trading, you know, Derek Carr. Um, I don't believe it's going to happen, at least not right now. Maybe after next season when he has two seasons under, you know, John Gruden's system and it's not working out, maybe that happens then. But we are getting a little ahead of ourselves because we still need to elaborate more on the Amari Cooper situation. I didn't think you were going to dive well into this Derek Carr situation. But um, you said who's letting him make these decisions? He runs this ship over there. Okay? So it's him making all these decisions. The problem is he is the general manager. He is the head coach. And he kind of is acting like the owner as well. And even though they're trying to come out and say, you know, that they're working as a cohesive unit together, him and Reggie, this is his ship that he is steering. And nobody's telling him what to do because he doesn't have a general manager there that he trusts to make decisions. So he's the one that is making these decisions. So with that said, James, since Gruden has arrived, he has said bye-bye to two pro bowlers. And obviously there are still guys on the trading block, as we have mentioned. The flip side, though, you have five first-round picks in the next two years, including three first-round picks in the upcoming draft. So the Raiders may legit have more first-round picks than wins this year. Uh, you know, But, of course, he has to hit home runs with these picks, and he doesn't have a great track record when it comes to draft picks. We will get to that a little bit later as well. But some positives. You kind of touched on it. The Raiders actually won something. And they want to trade because after botching that Khalil Mack trade, you know, they sent Amari Cooper to Dallas for a first round pick. You mentioned he was not producing like a first round pick. He wasn't worth 
a first-round pick. Jerry Jones, though, and the Cowboys, they were in full panic mode. They needed a number one receiver. So they gave the Raiders what they were asking for. And if I'm John Gruden, heck yeah, I'm trading Amari Cooper for a first-round pick. Now, look at his body of work, okay? First receiver since Randy Moss for the Raiders to have a 1,000-yard season. That happened back in his rookie, in his rookie season in 2015. Follow that up with another 1,000-yard season in 2016. Since then, 2017, 680 yards. 2018, through six games, 280 yards, James. On pace for another 600-yard season. You were a fourth overall pick. You are way too talented not to be producing. Now, I've seen a few games this year where he's been open multiple times, and for some reason, Carr couldn't find him. But also, their timing has been off. Sometimes Cooper wouldn't finish routes. And look, I said this on Twitter. I wish Cooper nothing but the best. I hope he flourishes in Dallas, but the fact is he hasn't lived up to his potential. He is way too talented to be as inconsistent as he has been. So this is what I want to say. So Gruden came in and he said, it's my fault. It's my fault if Derek Carr doesn't succeed. And then he backed that up by saying, Amari Cooper is going to be featured in this offense. He is that type of player. And then I had a chance to go back, Fallon, and look at some stats. And I looked at a game where Amari Cooper had one target. Then I looked at another game where Amari Cooper had three targets. Then I looked at another game where Amari Cooper had five targets. This is a guy that you're saying is the fourth overall pick, pro bowler, 1,000-yard season, explosive player. We're going to feature him in our offense. How are you not giving him more targets? How are you not putting him in situations to make plays, putting him in the slot, putting him outside, motioning him, but getting him involved in this offense? I do not understand that. And I don't put that on Derek Carr. I put that on John Gruden because it's easy to tell your quarterback, Cooper's going here, listen, give him an opportunity to make a play, okay? You cannot get in a rhythm as a receiver if you have one target, three targets, five. You cannot get in a rhythm. And that's how Amari Cooper's season went this year. And I think But what about last year? What about last year? Last year was dropsies. Because he got targets last year, but as a receiver, we know we all have them years where you have dropsies. And last year was Amari Cooper's year of having dropsies. If he doesn't drop the balls that he dropped last year, especially explosive plays he dropped, he probably has over 1,000, and we're not even talking about this. So that season last year, he had dropsies. He was getting his opportunity. But this season, they weren't even giving him the opportunities. And I think him going to the Cowboys – I truly believe the Cowboys have won this trade because they are going to give him opportunities. And he already knows walking into the building, it's going to be eight men in that box to stop Zeke. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. Until Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott can connect and say, y'all better back up because we got a lethal combination going on. And that's why they brought him over there. And I think Amari Cooper gives you that. Amari Cooper runs great routes. He gives you separation. I think they're going to give him a lot of targets, and I think he's going to explode. But this right here is the coach's fault for not getting him involved. I'm and not I want- blaming this on Derek Carr, the coach, Amari. I want to know what in the world has been going on because he is way too talented to not be producing 
the way he should be, right? And that is why I say that the Raiders won this trade because based on numbers, based on what's on paper, he was not worth a first-round pick. But if you go back on a multiple games, he has been open. So how much is that on Derek Carr? Not seeing a wide-open receiver. I mean, I mean, some of it's on Derek, too, because somebody has to throw him the ball. And I'm sure Derek has came in the film rooms and say, Dane, okay, I miss Coop and this and that. But I still feel, I always go back to the coaching staff, I still feel if you put these plays in and you say, listen, Coop is that first read, let's try to get him involved, let's try to give him the ball, trust me, that's going to be on Derek's mind. Derek's going to be looking for him. You, a star wide receiver should not go into the game and get one target. A starter, no, that's a Pro Bowl wide no, receiver, a first round wide receiver. So I put that on the coaches. I mean, a lot of stuff happens to the quarterbacks out there. I know we see wide open people, but you know, sometimes they see people all in their face. They see people all at their feet. It's hard to get the ball out. You know, I mean, I never play quarterback in the National Football League, but I put this on the coaches because you look at Coop on this play. We're putting Coop in this situation to get the ball. Look at Coop. You know what I mean? and give him more opportunities and the Raiders didn't do that but number one I don't feel like I say the Cowboys won this trade because I don't feel like there's a number one wide receiver out there in this year's draft I haven't checked free agency so I don't know who's who's a big time receiver coming out of free agency that their team is going to let walk so my thing is is how do you replace Coop you know what I mean? Like, I understand you have all these first-round picks, but is it a first-round wide receiver that can give you what Coop gave you, a Pro Bowl wide receiver? I don't think that that wide receiver is in this draft, and I don't see a wide receiver out there that's balling right now that their team is going to let walk, you know? So it's good to have all these first-round picks, but if the players are not there to draft, I mean, you're in trouble, and then you're going to take a risk on the guy that you think might have potential and is eventually a bust. Okay, you know who the real winner is here, though? Amari Cooper. Because he is no longer in Oakland, no longer around the dysfunction, and overall the Cowboys are a much better football team, and he automatically becomes the number one receiver, and they have a way better offensive line than the Raiders, so Dak's going to have plenty of time to throw the football, and as you mentioned also, he's going to be targeted a whole lot more. Then he was in Oakland. Um, And then you had the Zeke factor, as you mentioned, as well. So things should open up for, you know, their passing game and Coop on the roster. Now, I don't have a problem with the Amari Cooper trade. Okay, all in all, I feel like it was a a great deal for everyone involved. The Cowboys, Amari Cooper, even though you don't agree, the Raiders, because if he didn't fit in John Gruden's system and John Gruden didn't want him, then okay, goodbye, right? If you're a Raider fan and you want to trust John Gruden and what he's doing for the future, then you say, okay, I'm with you, coach. The problem that I have is the mixed messages being sent to the team. Not only sent to the team and the players, but the mixed messages being sent to the fans and being sent to the fans through the media. Because Gruden says one thing, he does another. Reggie says me and Gruden are on the same page, but they contradict each other in the media. You tell the fans before the season started, you're going to do whatever it takes to to keep Khalil Mack and get him inside the building, and then you ship him off. Then in February, as you mentioned, you say Amari Cooper is going to be the focal point of the offense. Then last week, he tells the media, I don't know what you're talking about when it comes to the Cooper rumors. Um, And then I even heard that players were told 
that they were not going to trade Cooper. And then bam, a few days later, he's headed to Dallas. I understand Gruden runs the team. He doesn't have to be transparent. But don't run this franchise like a circus. Don't talk to people like they're dumb. It's a circus right now. And it's crazy you say that because the whole reason behind firing Jack Del Rio was because he lost the locker room. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't his lack of winning ball games. I mean, he went 12-4, and four, I think 7-9. and nine. I mean, he had this thing changed around. The culture was changing, you know. But it came to a time to where they said even players were coming out, he lost the locker room. Players weren't respecting him. So that's why, okay, they're like, we need John Gruden to come in here. Great locker room guy. We'll have this locker room in shape. And he's made this locker room worse. Yeah. And I, and I want to say this. It's one thing that players love about coaches. Yeah. He ain't got to be the smartest coach. He ain't got to know all the X's and O's. He ain't got to be the best receiver coach you ever got. But if he keeps it 300 with <laughs> you and lets you know what is going on, what the team thinks about you, what the organization thinks about you, what they need out of you, and keeps it 300 with you, that's what you want as a coach. And that's the quickest way you lose a locker room, too, when none of the players in the locker room trust you. Yeah. Because if they see what's going on with other players, why can't it be me? Yep. And now I can't go up to my coach, talk to him, about anything because I don't trust him. Mm -hmm. And we all know, just like in life, if it's somebody that you don't trust, you're not going to give that person your all neither. So when I take this field and it's a guy that I don't trust over here and and our team is already losing, in the back of your mind as players, sometimes it's, okay, I'm going to go out here and play but I just don't want to get hurt yeah. because I want to get up out of here after this year because I don't like this dude that is our head coach. And that's how you lose a locker room. And right now I truly believe the locker room is divided. And as players, they got to get it back. But when you don't trust people and don't trust your coach, it's hard. I'm sure, you know, when you guys were 0-10 back in 2014, you, you still – keep bringing that up, I know, I have to. Podcast. I'm sorry, I have to. I'm just trying <laughs> – I got to bring up some similarities here. Uh, but I'm sure when you guys were 0-10 and, and the way Tony Sperano was with you guys, you would still run through a brick wall for him, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. Even being 0-10, and I told you this story before – Going into every single game, I always thought we were going to win. And going into every single game, if you listen to our locker room, everybody was willing to ride for each other. Yeah. What's in to get a pregame speech? We all ready to go ride or die for each other. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And right now in that locker room, I feel like it's some Gruden guys, and I feel like it's some guys that saying F Gruden. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of tough to bring together. You know what I mean? Like, as players, it's like, hey, whatever's happening off the field, whatever the media's talking about, look, as players, you go out there and play and you ride for your brother. Yeah. You know, but now it's starting to come a time to where you got people talking about their brothers in the locker room. Oh, yeah. That's not, that's not supposed to happen. Well, tell me if I'm right or wrong with this. If when John Gruden was hired, he looked at the roster and thought, okay, this is trash. 
the 2016 season was a fluke. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Just hold on. He looked at the roster and thought that this was trash. The 2016 season was a fluke, which some say, you know, it was because they were 12 and four and they had won, what, seven games with fourth quarter comebacks. They could have easily had a losing season. But again, if you thought the roster was trash and you were going to rebuild, don't make the moves in the offseason that you did because it didn't show that you were a rebuilding franchise. You know what I mean? Like, you're all of a sudden making all these moves midway through the season. Start the rebuild before the season begins. You know, don't blow it up now. You're sending, like, bad messages to the fans, but terrible messages to your players saying, uh... Yeah, I'm not trying to win now. You're not good enough to win now. And we're building for the future. You know, they're building for Vegas. If you're a player, I would be pissed, right? Because you don't play this season for two years from now. If you're a fan, you're not paying to watch the 2020 season. You're paying to watch the 2018 season. This is where I disagree with you that on. Because when you rebuild something, you do it with young players. Okay. And before he, right when he got the job, he signed veterans, Jordy Nelson, Doug Martin. That's my point, though. Uh, He's making moves. He's making moves that are opposite of what general managers do. You're not in the rebuilding mode at that time when you're when you're signing veteran guys. Does that make sense? He's making offseason moves that show the complete opposite of what a rebuilding franchise does. That was the point I'm trying to make. Yes, and I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what he's doing. Somebody needs to stop him because a lot of people want to say they're rebuilding and all that type of stuff, but no, this couldn't have been a plan of Gruden. This had to be something that happened last hour of him trying to get rid of all these good young players, mm-hmm. and I don't know what he's thinking doing it because beginning of the season it was all about win now. That's why you signed Jordy Nelson. That's why you bring in Derek Johnson. That's why you bring in a Doug Martin and you bring in veterans to get this locker room right to get these young guys that we already have in this locker room on board to go chase this Super Bowl and chase chase being a winning team and win this division you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. so I don't know what just happened at the last hour where he was like listen we got to rebuild this whole thing there is you it should not have been no rebuild you have all the players you need in there right now to win now so I don't know what's going through his head so maybe he misjudged the situation or as we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast it started when he traded Khalil Mack and that was the first domino to fall and that was the biggest mistake that he made and now he can't take it back and now he's like crap I just have to blow it up Oh, man, I don't even want to think of it like that, man, because you got guys in there right now that's believing you, that's been riding for you, that want to get this thing changed around. Raider Nation excited for you. You got an owner that's been chasing you forever, and you come in saying that you got to blow this thing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my thing right now, when I look at all these moves that he's doing right now, I'm like, you only signed a 10-year contract. You didn't sign 20. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, <laughs> if you blow this thing up like that, man, you're gonna be your first winning season is gonna be when you in the year eight. No, I don't. Th- I think you're being a little. I don't there. think you're being a little dramatic. They could win. I'm just. They I'm could, just saying. You can go from worst to first very go. fast in this league. You can go from worst to first very fast in this league. You have five first round draft picks in the next two 
years. He has to obviously hit on those draft picks. I'm talking about if he was to to blow this thing up and trade Derek Carr. Now you're really setting the franchise back. You're right with that. Okay, so let's talk about that. Only two winning seasons, 16 years, okay? And that was in 2016 and 2002. It's obviously a dumpster fire right now. Okay, now the only way and the only hope for a turnaround is if, and that's a big if, Gruden hits home runs on these next two drafts. But I don't know if you know, James, his track record in drafts, not very good. (laughs) (laughs) I found this. uh, I got a stat online. Stay with me here. So Gruden had 61 picks during his time in Tampa Bay. 61, okay, during his time in Tampa Bay. Of those 61, only three of them were pro bowlers. And two of them didn't become pro bowlers until someone else was their coach. So basically, he coached one pro bowler out of the 61 picks, which means he's not very good at evaluating talent. And since him and Reggie are not on the same page, he needs to get a general manager in there that he trusts because if he doesn't, he is not going to be successful doing it on his own. Well, Fallon, let me tell you something. (laughs) As a Raider, as a Raider fan, I wish you wouldn't have even read that stat off right there because <laughs> I, because I think they're sitting at home right now like, okay, let's just wait. Let's just wait on Gruden, man. Let's just let's just wait on him. He he got five first round draft picks. We think he knows what he's doing. Let's just wait on him. We know it sucks right now. We know Khalil go and then you just read off that stat. I know. And that's basically saying that he let these Pro Bowl players out the door two Pro Bowl players, and he only drafted three Pro Bowl players. That is not a good sign for these first-round draft picks we got. So that's why I go back to my point. (laughs) Somebody has to help him, and somebody has to stop him from destroying this franchise. Okay, James, I have a a good idea, and it's going to help the other team that you love, the Packers. Yeah, what's what's, the What if the Packers call up John Gruden and say, hey, I want Gary and Conley, Carl Joseph, and Bruce Irvin? (laughs) And I'll, and, and I'll give you a first-round pick or a first and a fifth-round pick. Do you think Gruden would take well, it? And would you want the Packers well, number, to take it? Number one, I don't think the Packers would ever do that. But number two, I mean, if he if the Packers did call, absolutely John Gruden will say yes without a doubt. I mean, if we're going off his track record, he would say yes, give me that first round pick. Now I got six of them, you know what I mean? I'll go draft me some me some players, but he absolutely would take that trade, but the Packers would never do that. But it's crazy you bring up Conley because I was talking to somebody day at the today at the network and they said that he's on the trading block as well. Yeah. And I'm just like, "Wow, man, they're just getting rid of all these good young players." I do not understand i can see if you're just letting away veteran after veteran after veteran and you're like okay we're gonna bring in young guys get younger start this thing over a little bit but you are releasing young guys core guys i mean and it's crazy because if carl joseph and gary and conley are traded the raiders would have traded each of their last four first round draft picks all under Reggie McKenzie one year yeah and hold on think about this the only other first round draft pick that Reggie had was DJ Hayden 
And uh, well, you know, he's <coughs> a bust. Yeah, so, um, yeah, think, yeah, think about that. Like, Reggie has to be gone next year, right? Has to be. I mean, I don't know. I mean, just looking at how things are going over there and how Gruden is taking control, I don't even know if Reggie wants to be there again. Like, do you want to be here knowing that they're not giving you, letting you truly be the GM and get this team the way you want it to be? Because that's what GMs do. They bring in players that they want. And right now, Reggie, they're not letting you do that. And all the players you did want, they're getting out of there. So do you want to be there because at the end of the day, your name is going to be on this too, even though that Gruden is calling all the shots. So does Reggie want to be there and teams to think like, man, this dude's a terrible GM. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Do yeah. you want that Do you want that attached to your name? I don't know if Reggie wants that. No, definitely not. Okay, so um, I'm sure you heard all the drama going on. You kind of touched on it a little bit about people – Talking about Derek Carr behind his back, the locker room kind of divided, etc. Obviously, when you lose, there's a lot of leaks. People are trying to point the finger. So Marcus Thompson wrote a column for The Athletic about Carr's quote-unquote fractured relationship with his teammates. And then Pro Football Talk twisted the words, made a headline that said, Carr has a fractured relationship with teammates due in part to the perception that he cried after being injured. And I'm sure you know because you're on Twitter, Darren Carr, Derek Carr's brother, he clapped back real fast about all the injuries that Carr has had in the past and how he's only missed two games because of them. And then Derek uh, replied, don't even waste your time on this big bro. Um, And then said that he was on the ground and he yelled, get me up, get me up. Um, And then went to the sideline and and yelled some more and he didn't have a tear, a single tear. Well... Today, uh, Derek Carr also kind of defend himself. I did not cry. I didn't even cry when I broke my leg. You think I'm going to cry if someone hits me? And Lee Smith, did he, was he on the team when you were there? No, huh? Yeah, Lee was there. Me and Lee oh. was in um, OTAs and all that together before they released Oh, me. before they released Okay, because that was 2015. Yeah. Lee, somebody, yeah. man, I would bring him. If I was in a fight in an alley with somebody, Lee, I want Lee. Okay, on my team. Man, I, 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 love, I love Lee, man. And just a quick story on Lee. When I went to the Raiders game against the uh, <laughs> against the Browns um, after the game, you know, I go over there, holler at all the players. I'm talking to Jordy, so we, you know, we in the parking lot where the Raiders, I mean, where the players park and all that type stuff. And after, you know, Sunday games, Lee and Jordy put up a little TV in the parking lot, and you know, they let all the traffic clear out of there. They just once everybody's gone out the parking lot, they let their kids run around the empty parking lot playing football and all that. And they watch the Sunday night football game. Wow. And yeah, and it's crazy because you know Lee, a big country boy. I mean, he's a ride or die for his teammates, but you know, he a country boy, so. It's a mouse that shoots out of the bushes. He traps it, right? What? And he tells all the he tell he tells all the little kids, hey, whoever catches this mouse, I give him five dollars. And he said, I'm gonna raise this thing up, and he raised it up, and the mouse shot out of there. And you should have seen all the little kids out there trying to grab it. My little son had it in his hand; it slipped out of his hand. <laughs> you know, they try to grab, they try to grab this little mouse, and I was, it was just hilarious. That's pretty funny. But, I had to. I just had to share that story. That was a really awesome story. Who caught the mouse, though? Nobody. Mouse got away. But they uh, nobody got five dollars. Nobody got five dollars. Yeah. No. But today, uh, Lee Smith he actually volunteered to speak to the media. He just wanted to make a statement because he was pissed. 
Um, and he gave yeah. this really passionate speech about Derek Carr. And, and he said, you know, the attacking of the strongest leader and the strongest man in our locker room is absolute horse blank, horse doo-doo. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And you know, the one thing that nobody should ever, ever, ever do is question Carr's toughness. Period. And you know that firsthand. Yeah. yeah. And I do, man. I I play with DC, man. He fought with he fought through so many injuries. Um he's not the guy that's gonna come in there and pout and whine. It's 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 never nobody else's fault. Oh man, the O line ain't blocking for me. I mean, he always takes accountability. I mean, listen, I always ride for DC. I do. And I don't just ride for him because I play with him. I mean, I ride for him because I know what type of guy he is. I know his character. You know what I'm saying? And I know what he's about. And even me as a teammate, I never understood why people go to the media, don't say their name, and cause these problems. If you have a problem with one of your teammates – you go over there to his locker or you call him like a man and tell him, like, dude, if you feel like D.C. shed a tear, then you go over there to him and you say, man, I seen you shed a tear, man, and you crying and all that when you get hit. And then you let D.C. defend himself. Boy, you ain't seen no tears over here. I done played through all, I done, I done played through all type of injuries, but you don't go – behind one of your teammates. But I don't care if it's the quarterback. I don't care if it's the kicker. I don't care if it's the third-string tight end. You don't go behind none of your players' back, man, and put this stuff in the media. You just do not do that. And I don't, I don't like that at all. And I like Lee coming out just like, man, I got to make a statement and let everybody know that, man, this is, this is how it is, and this is the guy that I know. Hearing what came out, it's like, oh, he's soft. He crying because he got – tackled and all that he got sacked now you calling me soft now you calling me a crybaby, and that's a problem you know what i'm saying that has to come from either one a defensive player or two somebody who's either a rookie or someone who is new to the raiders organization and who has not played with Derek carr because nobody in their right mind who actually knows Derek carr would ever come out here and talk about how he's soft and he was crying you know what i mean I think that's just ridiculous. Yeah, and it shouldn't. The point is, is that it shouldn't come from nobody inside that building. At the end of the day, as a team, whether you're winning or whether you're losing, all you guys have is each other, man. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that should not come out of the locker room. It should not. Absolutely should not. And I hate when I hear stuff like that. A teammates calling other teammates out. For stuff like this, I, it, it's, it's disturbing, it is. So I'm Marcus Thompson's friend, right? And actually his words were twisted. He's a columnist. So he was writing how that didn't help the situation. He wasn't saying that was what the player said is a reason why they have a divide in the locker room or a fractured relationship with Derek Carr. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was Pro Football Talk who came out, Mike Florio, and said, like, twisted his words and say it was because doing part to him crying is part of the reason why there's a fractured relationship with Derek Carr and his teammates. I mean, that was, it was just all twisted and it was stupid. But I will say this. Is it fair to say that there might be, though, because they're losing, a divide 
in the locker room. It's not a divide in a locker room because they're losing. Okay. That is not what divides a locker room. It's a divide in a locker room because a lack of trust and communication from your head coach. That's why it's a divide in a locker room. You know what I mean? And yeah. you still got these guys over here that have the head coaches back. You got these guys over here that's probably already been crossed by Gruden or lied to by Gruden. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the crazy thing about it is it's always worse inside the building. When you start hearing things like this outside the building of – you know what I mean? How coaches and all that lie to players and all that. It's way worse inside the building. So I can't imagine the stuff that's inside the building that hasn't even got out. And the players know and see that. And that's what divides the locker room. And I think that's what's going on with the Raiders right now. Win or, win or lose. You know what I'm saying? It starts with the coach. And he was brought in there to basically have a strong locker room. You know what I'm saying? And put a good product on the field. Yeah, I definitely And the locker do. room is, is all over the place right now. And a lot of it is because of the head coach. They, the players even got to answer questions about the head coach, stuff that the head coach is doing. It's usually the other way around. Like yeah. the head coach is like, man, I'm sick of answering questions about, yeah. you know, uh, Derek Carr uh, off the field stuff or what he's talking about. But these players got to sit in the locker room and, and ask, answer questions about the head coach. You know why, though? And him lying about stuff. Well, because when he came here, I feel like he sold everybody a dream. You know what I mean? I'm going to bring you back to prominence. You know, I'm a player's coach. Rah, rah, rah. All of this stuff, it sounded great. It looked good, you know? And then all of a sudden you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know what I mean? And if you're a player, you're like, hold up. I thought we was cool. Yeah. Like, for example, Amari Cooper gets pulled off the practice field. Everyone's like, what's going on? And he doesn't even address the team. He got pulled off the practice field on Monday. He doesn't address the team until Wednesday, <laughs> which, by the way, is today when we're filming this. We're taping this. And he told the media, well, it wasn't really official. What? You talked to ESPN about the trade before you talked to your own team about the trade. What are you talking about? And that's what I'm saying. And that right there, other players seeing that right there. The trust for your head coach is gone out of the window. Mm -hmm. You see your Pro Bowl receiver. Days before that, he say, okay, we're not trading Coop. You know what I mean? Players telling players we're not trading Coop. And then this guy comes and you get him off the field. He's traded and you don't let us know nothing until Wednesday. We already know it. Coach, do you know his Twitter out there, Instagram out there, all type of sports channel? It's Ian Rappaport. It's Adam Schefter. We know by now, Coach. You know what I'm saying? And that right there, that's why I say that messes up a team, man. That messes up a team when you do not trust your head coach. So how does Gruden go about rebuilding the trust? Is it is it too late now with this team? I think with this team right here, rebuilding the trust, yes, it's absolutely too late. Mm. It, it is absolutely too late. And, and the thing about it is, is a lot of guys that's on this team is going to be there next year. And I'm not saying the same thing is going to roll over next year, but hopefully – he can earn that trust from him in the beginnings of the season next year or training camp next year when he starts doing stuff and holding up to on his end of what he said he's going to do. You know what I'm saying? And that's how you're going to earn the respect back of these players. But right now, when they seen, see everything that's going on with Khalil, with Coop, you know, with Conley, with other players in the building and all that type stuff, it's going to be tough to get that back. 
Yeah. So, um, is it safe to say Jordy Nelson now hates you for convincing him to sign with the Raiders? <laughs> no, Jordy. Jordy loves me. That's 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 my guy right there. He's he, he loves living in California. Jordy's the most laid back guy that you ever probably uh, probably a run into. I could see Jordy right now with all this going on in his locker, eating the peanut butter and jelly sounds. Like, why are everybody tripping around here, man? Let's just. But go have you talked football. to him though? Have you talked to him? When's the last I time you spoke to him? I talked to him, but but I have not spoken to him about any of this crazy stuff. Okay, we need when to get we need to get to him on. Him, I, oh, he'll come on. But when I talk to him, it's all about just you know how you feeling, man. How the family, all that good stuff. I don't want to get into all this drama with him. He here twenty four seven. Probably got an answer from the media and all that, but I don't talk to him about none of this stuff. All right, let's wrap up with the outlook on the season now. So let's uh, talk about the receivers who are left then. <laughs> So you got Jordy Nelson, Seth Roberts, Martavis Bryant, Dwayne Harris, and Brandon LaFell. Um, okay, so do you stick with these guys? Do you go outside and sign someone? Um, I don't mind going after and saying, hey, Dez, what's up? Trying to come to Oakland? He'll probably flip you off and say, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Y'all, y'all over there, y'all got too much drama for even me. I ain't trying to yeah. go to Oakland. Um, but now who does Derek Carr throw to? <laughs> I mean, you still got Jordy there who can make plays for you. Jared Cook. Yeah, you got Jared Cook there. I mean, shoot, you still got Jalen Rashard and Doug Martin in the backfield that could that could make some plays for you. Um, and I just I, I'm excited about this week because that just means more opportunities for Martavis Bryant. And this is a guy who can fly, yeah. who can make spectacular catches, jump over people, and all that. So I'm looking forward to seeing him get some more opportunities and make some plays in the past game. And uh, then I'm looking forward to Doug running the ball as well, too. This is a guy who's on a one-year contract who, you know, it's it's week seven and he has an opportunity to be the starter, Marshawn out and get a lot of carries and show people that he still can be a good back in this league. So I think you got some guys that got chips on their shoulders that want want to make some plays. And I think the Raiders go out here, man, and get a win. James, you're drinking the Kool-Aid that uh, John Gruden obviously gave you. Because with Marshawn, I told you. No, I told it. you. I told you before the podcast started. I was. I was still on the Kool Aid a little nah, bit. Nah, you drinking that Kool Aid, man? I think it has some poison in it or something. Because. Uh, oh, you know, we don't know if I'm drinking. This, we don't know if I'm drinking enough of it to <laughs> play the game. But I think. <laughs> well, we're gonna see. So, like with Marshawn Lynch on IR, I mean, obviously that's devastating. But at the same time, would it really make a difference with their win loss record right now? At this point, I don't know. Oh, I think a win right now for the Raiders is just what the doctor ordered. They need it. They still got to get past the cold shoot. I know, but they need to walk back in this locker room and look at each other in the eyes and say, all the BS that's been going on outside this locker room, we came together as a team and we got this one done. Okay. And let's build on it. This will be the best thing that the doctor ordered. They need this. You didn't let me talk about the Kool-Aid that you're drinking. You're drinking the Doug Martin Kool-Aid is what I was saying because (laughs) John Gruden today called him a feature back still. Uh, excuse me, have you not seen what he's done the last three seasons? He's only averaged three yards per carry over the last three he's seasons. Been hurt. Uh, he's hold been on. Hurt. No excuses. <laughs> now, according to the AP, that is the lowest, averaging three yards per carry over the last three seasons, is the lowest of any back with 150 rushes in that span. Okay? He's not the answer. However, here's the optimism from Fallon. 
I have a little more confidence in Jalen Rashard. I actually really like Jalen Rashard catching the ball out of the backfield. And I, I actually think that if I'm a fantasy owner and I have to pick between going with Doug Martin or Jalen Rashard, I'm picking Jalen Rashard. I'm sorry. I think he's going to have way more success than Doug Martin uh, running the football. If they give him the touches, that's the thing. If they're going to well, just. Well, you know what? You, you want to know what's crazy? What? And before we get off this last podcast, is I have Doug Martin. Um, one of my buddies that you know, his name is Timothy Leone. We call him Casper. Oh, God. He has Jalen Richard, right? On his fantasy so, team? Yeah. So I picked up the phone today, and I called Derek Carr. And I said, hey, bro, who finna get more touches? Doug Martin <laughs> or Jalen Richard? And I said, I'm asking for my fantasy team. Because I'm like, do I put Doug Martin in the game? So I said, man, listen, I know Marshawn on IR. Who's going to get more touches? And he told me, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, man. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> so I know everybody on this podcast is like, who, who, who? I ain't telling you. Who you Hold telling? on. You're not telling me? <laughs> so you ain't nope. keeping it 300 right now? Oh, we about to, get, we about to sign off and you ain't keeping it 300. You, you know what I'm saying? I ain't telling you. But I said, for my fantasy team, who's going to get the ball? So I'm not telling you. Oh, Mm-mm. my goodness. So uh, <clears throat> you starting Doug Martin? What's up? Ah, I can't tell. I can't tell. <laughs> but I picked up Jalen, actually. I picked up Jalen um, off waivers because I, uh, I have confidence in him, man. I was here when he was balling. So I feel like he just needs uh. to get more more touches and that he could have success in this offense. But he hasn't been getting touches. So, I mean, he's gotten some here and there, but consistently he hasn't. Well, I'm still not going to tell you what Derek said. So you could put him in if you want to or you could, you know. I hate you right Sit now. Out. I, I really hate you right now. You, you ain't right. You, you, this is your own podcast. You're supposed to keep it 300. You ain't even keeping it 300 on your own podcast. Mm-mm. We ain't cool. Well, anyways, uh, you were optimistic last week. You said the Raiders would, what, win more than three games? But now, are you still saying that? I said they would at least get, at least get five or more. But, yes, um, I, I'm telling you, I think they'll win this week at home against the Colts, and I think this is going to be just what the doctor ordered, give them a little confidence, you know, going into the next game. After They'll the- win at San Francisco because I just think San Francisco yeah, is very, so very bad. So. I think I think this is going to be good. I'm, I'm always going to be optimistic about the Raiders. Well, at least that makes one of us. And on that note, we want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Keeping It 300, Episode 5. It's been a great first month for us. We appreciate all of our listeners. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and download Keeping It 300 on iTunes or Spotify. Also, make sure you rate us and write a review. We appreciate y'all, and we appreciate all the love. Thanks again. For James, I'm Fallon. We out.